Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Monday. Hey, we're here. We're here. That's right. And I'm in one piece still. Jorge ran the marathon. Half, 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 marathon. Half, 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 half. half marathon yesterday. He's in one piece. He looks okay. I, I, I mean, I'm good, yeah. I can't see his feet from here, but it, you know, I felt worse afterwards. So, When was the last time you did a full marathon? Um, been a, It's been a couple years. My first cousin did the full marathon yesterday when he got nice. to mile... When he got off the key, when he first thing, when he came into the key, he thought, I have to go up the bridge. Yeah. I don't remember. No, you go under the bridge. No, you go back. under. And that, uh, that's, a, that's a taunt. Right, that's right a... when he said he was, uh, when he left the key, he hit the wall. And, oh, um, wow. That's and, early. And he's a doctor. And he used training, and he was doing well. And for whatever it was, reason, yesterday. It was humid had, out there. Yeah, it was humid. Was... And he had a really, really rough week at work and with the family. So, um, but he did it, and, and he made it. Uh, uh, many of you know I walked it two two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yep. Uh, and Jorge did it, and I thank him for that. He did it for uh, in honor of my brother, for Never Walk Alone, for PTSD awareness, and the firefighters walked again yesterday in full gear. There was a big contingent from uh, Belen boys that went, led by my nephew, and it was great. I went to see them at the barbecue yesterday, but right around the time that they were finishing, because they were the, they're the last ones out, yep. the last corral out of the, the marathon, and uh, right around the time that they were finishing is kind of when my cousin was finishing also. I think he did four and a half or something like that, which is that's not a, that's, bad. That's good I, for, I saw some for the conditions yesterday. Yeah, there, I saw a video this morning of, you know, a friend of mine posted her boyfriend uh, doing six at it. It looks at six and a half hours. Yeah. So, um, but no, God bless all the marathoners out there. Uh, I'm sure those of you who were stuck in traffic yesterday don't bless them that much, but... Uh, you were know, warned. You were you warned. You were warned, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, go to mass, you know, go to mass, stay close to home and, you know, just, just do your business. And, uh, but the marathon's such a great event and, and thank you to everyone who supported it. And, um, I have to say the video of the firefighters finishing gets me every year because, because well, that, they, that's, that's, they're, 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 I mean, it's a huge mass of, and they're all, they've got their sirens going off They're Well, for, for me, um, that was, that was the most powerful moment when we finished because thing is that they all have to do it in unison. So my father said that yesterday a lot of firefighters, because here's the thing, firefighters, all these guys and girls, you know, all, you know, they think they're all tough and out. Just yeah. put the gear on and just start walking. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. I said train is, yep. you know, if you, I mean, yep, if you walk a lot every day, you can go out there and maybe walk the 13.1 miles. Yeah. That's one thing. But with but full with gear. With full gear, 60 pounds of gear, I guess, uh, an oxygen tank. Yes. Imagine that. An oxygen <laughs> tank on your back. Um, so they had to wait. Uh, for stragglers right. who refuse to get on the trolley that mm. picks up yep. runners that can't keep going. And so they had to wait. So they finished pretty late. Uh, around, I want to say around 11.30-ish, which is, you know, the thing starts at 6. Yep. Uh, they didn't leave to almost 7. And you left at what, 6.20? 6.25 6 was my so wake. Yep. So they didn't leave until that time. But what? So when they come, they cross the finish uh, line, they all go together, and then all of them turn on their alarm sirens at the same time. For me, that was powerful because um, for those of you who don't know, my fa- my brother died, a firefighter, he died in 2014, 
uh, from PTSD. And uh, when we buried him, they put on those sirens. It's part oh, wow. of the uh, of the um, of the goodbye, and they do a, fi- a last call uh, wow. from the dispatch. And so it was like all these emotions come flooding back. Now, my mother, I'm, I'm worried about her this morning because uh, they usually let people onto the course, people that aren't competing. Uh, we know the organizers, uh, Frankie, God bless him. Yep. He started this 20 years ago, and who knew he was going to be this? It was going to be this successful, by Frankie Ruiz, and um, uh, someone there must have got my mother and put her on the course to walk across the finish line with my, excuse me, with my dad. And uh, when I saw my mom yesterday, you know, she was still in a haze over that because yep. for us, it's like talk about PTSD. It's mm. like triggering those emotions yep. from from my brother's burial. So. But still, it's powerful for everyone who is there, and uh, and it's just a reminder that we need people uh, to be aware of PTSD. That whether you were a veteran of the wars, whether you work in law enforcement, whether you work in uh, the fire department, fire rescue, and even now for hospital front uh, frontline workers after COVID, who have been dealing with COVID for two years, you know this is a very real, real uh, disorder. And so, get the help you need. Talk to somebody. Talk to me. You know, email us here at the parish. Call me here at the parish. You know, talk to someone, and that's what's important. Talk to someone because, um, you know, it cost my brother's life. So uh, that's not what we were going to talk about today. But um, glad we did. Yep. But uh, you know, talk about you know going into deep waters. I wasn't. I wasn't we, expecting. We 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 just flew right past the shallow end. Yeah, I know. We went into deep waters <laughs> right away. That was not where. Like when we tell we we always say this. We go in here and we barely talk about what we're going to talk about. We turn on the mics and we go. Exactly. And that's evidence right there of that. It's, um, we say we're, you know, we kind of know what we're talking about, which is yesterday's readings and, and, but my goodness. Uh, so we went into the deep end right away. So let's put on the deep waters even further because that's where the Lord wants us to go. Uh, it's such a beautiful reading. Duke Inaltum, uh, St. John Paul II used that so often in the last years of his pontificate. And uh, I said yesterday he was probably cognizant, you know, and he was in his 80s, that in his la- in the, he was in his last years, and he wanted the church, even though he had pushed the church even into the deep waters already, he, was, he, wanted, he wanted us to go deeper. He wanted us to go really deep. And why is this so significant? Well, here's the thing. Jesus is, if you, if you, if you take this fifth chapter of St. Luke, and you look at it, and you read it, and you see little clues as to why Jesus wants to go out in the deep. The first three words, while the crowd, so there's a crowd. They're there. They want to hear Jesus. They're pressing in on Jesus is what St. Luke says. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus, listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee. So Jesus sees the two boats, asks one of them to come so he could sit on the boat to speak to the crowd on the shore. And then all of a sudden, he t- turns to Saint, to Simon Peter and says, you know, put out into the deep, lower your nets for a catch. Now, Peter is a fisherman. Here comes his carpenter telling him, you know, let's, yeah. let me tell you what to do. You know, when, when you're... I'm sure that would go well today. It's, it, to me, that's, <laughs> I always see this in, in when, I, when I go to hospitals to anoint the sick. It's like people want to tell the doctor... Well, why can't we do this and why can't we do that? I go, it's a doctor. Let him do his job. He he knows more than you. Always drives me nuts. Always, drive, I mean, let let the doctor do this. Kind of the same thing. So here comes this carpenter and tells tells his fisherman, 
you know, who's been fishing all night, didn't catch a thing. That's frustrating. I've been there not too many times. You know, after a half hour, I don't catch anything. I just move on to the next fishing stop, and you know, I can't handle that. So he's been there. He's been out all night. Then comes this man who's preaching with authority. And when he tells him to put it in the deep, Simon Peter's response, master. All right? He's already realizing mm-hmm. he's a teacher, master. We have worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But at your command, I will lower the nets. Archbishop Gomez of... Uh, of Los Angeles yesterday said something very beautiful. Peter went out into the deep, not because it made sense. He went out into the deep because he had faith in what he had just heard. So whatever Jesus said, remember the, in, in the gospel of St. Luke, right. this is where Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John meet Jesus. So he had to say something that profoundly moved him. He was perplexed by the request, but said, you know what? But at your command, I will lower the nets. When they done this, they got the miraculous catch. What was overflowing with fish? They had needed people to come over to help them out. So at this point in the deep, what is Simon's Peter visceral reaction to what just transpired? Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He went down to his knees and said this to Jesus. For astonishment at the catch of fish had seized him and all those with him. Not only Peter, but all those with him. And, and Jesus says, do not be afraid from now and you will be catching men. And those three words are so important. We hear it often in the gospel. John Paul II repeated a lot. Here's the thing. If Jesus tells us to go out into the deep, it's Jesus. We have to trust him. And we're not just talking about taking a boat from the shore to, to 300 feet of water. We're talking about whatever deep waters we're afraid of. You know, I mentioned yesterday a fishing story that I was, you know, my father one day wanted to go out in the deep waters. We're not, we're not deep sea fishermen. We never have been, you know, not because it's dangerous. We just, we just don't like the slog of getting out there and it's hot. And, and really the only time my father and I have time to do this is when I'm on vacation in the summer. So it's like you're out there, you know, it's usually choppy, the waves, and, you know, I get seasick very easily. So it's like, you know, we like the security of the back country and closer to shore and we have our fishing holes. But when you're out there in the deep water, Things start moving, but it's only out there where we can be open to God's grace. Why? Because we're far from shore. Because we're far from the very beginning of that gospel. We're far from the crowd. We're far from the noise. We're far far from people pressing in. And so it's just us and the sea and Jesus. And that's what's so beautiful about being out there by yourself, even though Still, to this day, I look around when I'm out there and, you know, seven miles, eight hours, I'm like, where's the nearest boat? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like going around, where's the nearest boat? When you don't, when you're far enough that you don't see land anymore, you know, you're looking, are there any boats around? It's like, you, you're still that, you know, I say, I'm not afraid of the sea, but I respect the sea, you know, because. And, and Father, that's, obviously I wasn't at Mass yesterday. I went on Saturday, yesterday I was, I was running. Um, so I heard your homily this morning. And that's really one of the things that stood out to me is, and, and I'd, I mean, I've read this a million times, and I, like most people, just go straight to the, you know, put out into the deep. I had overlooked this minor but important detail of, you know, get, let's get away from the crowds. Yeah. And so often we're, we're just comfortable being in the crowd because it's in, in the safety of the crowd, you know, we kind of, we, we can hide. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to, you know, confront reality necessarily you know we don't have to look at ourselves uh 
for who we really are. We don't have to look at ourselves the way the Lord looks at us. You know, we, we can just kind of be the anonymous person, uh, you know, in the midst of everybody. But when Jesus pulls us away from that and we have that intimate encounter, you know, that's where our life changes. Um, and, and, and that's, and if I, if I can go right yeah. back to yesterday, that's why I love running uh, because it's, it's, I mean, there were 15,000 people on the course yesterday, but I was by myself. I was, you know, I was say that. Yeah. There was, there was, the, there's something reassuring about running with the crowd, but it's, it's a, it's a solo sport. It's, it's, there's a lot of solitude in, you know, putting in the miles in the, in the training, in the actual event where, you know, you're, you're in your own head mm -hmm. for, for two hours, for four hours, for, for whatever, you know, distance you go out and run. So yeah, you're, you're being carried by the crowd, but the the reflection and the thoughts and the prayers that go on over the course of that I mean that that's why I fell in love with the sport and, and have continued running for for twenty some years because that's where I find you know that that's where I can encounter Christ that's where you know I can kind of get out of my head running with Jesus and, and pray and, and really you know think about everything that's going on and and you know have some time with Him you know where, where I'm not busy with everything else that's going on. It is getting, I mean, I, I look at the, at the picture of the winner of the marathon, Jackson Limo, who did it in two hours That's and 20, <laughs> hold on, I'm looking at it right here, he did it in two hours, 21 minutes, and 33 seconds. That's the full. That's the full. That's 26 yeah. miles. And your half mile was in? My half, yesterday, 203. So yeah, so. Two, and he, it was hot. You did have, he, almost, he almost lapped you. He, yeah. Almost. Um, so. The picture of him and he, the, the nearest competitor was, I believe, uh, a twenty-nine, uh, eight minutes behind yeah. him. So and that's this a, one, so that that's at that pace, that's a good mile and a half, two miles back. Yeah. So. so he pulled away from the crowd, and so there is that solitude. And for us in the spiritual life, as you get away from the fishing and the running metaphors, uh, in the spiritual life, it's maybe we're afraid of silence. We're afraid of. You know, coming into our chapel or coming into the you know the vastness of our beautiful church and and just sitting there and just saying you know what I want to sit here because sometimes may we need to shut out those voices maybe we're afraid of those voices whatever it is we put it at the feet of the Lord but here's the thing in the deep whatever that deep may be and the deep is you know a metaphor to whatever it is the deep is for each and every one of us whatever it is we need to confront it. Because when Jesus says to us, put out into the deep, it's a command. And if Jesus tells us to do this, what makes us think that he will not protect us? What makes us think that he will not be with us? What makes us think that we will be in any sort of danger? You know, or let's say in the spiritual life, uncomfortable you know, be uncomfortable in any situation we're going we're gonna to be. Okay, that's the prayer life. We're going to confront things in prayer that will make us uncomfortable. We're going to encounter things in prayer that will jar us, will challenge us, will cause us to suffer. Yep. But thing is that we don't want to suffer. Right. But, we what, avoid but suffering. what better place to, to encounter that than in prayer? Sure. You know what? Well, who, who better to go through that with than with the Lord? Mm -hmm. And so we... We say, no, we, we, we don't want to suffer. But we realize, we look at the cross, and there's no glory without the cross. 
you will not get to where Jesus wants you to be without going out in the deep, without confronting your fears. But again, if he is commanding us, I wrote this about 12 years ago, that what I'm about to read to you right now. God has a plan for each and every one of us, especially as we get, you know, especially as, as we go up further in the spiritual life and deeper in the spiritual life. To deviate from it is to go against his will. He wants us to go out into the deep, uncharted and unknown waters. There, we will find great blessings and the ability to deepen our relationship with him. Will it be challenging? Will we experience some fears the disciples do? Yes. But if Jesus is calling us into the deep, how can we possibly be afraid of where he is, where he is inviting us to go? It, is, it was only out in the deep that Simon fell to his knees and realized the possibilities, unworthy as he was, of a relationship with Jesus. Imagine what God has in store for you if you get out of your comfort zone and allow him to lead you out into those rich, bountiful, and teeming deep waters. Because that's where you find your miraculous oh, catch. Yeah. That's where you find the, the, the fish. That's where you're satisfied. Like I, the fishing story I said yesterday, in the deep waters, when you come back with a big catch of fish, you're like, wow, we did something great. We accomplished something. You can't do that on the shore. Catch minnows yep. if you catch minnows. <laughs> but it's like, but we, we don't want to. It's like, I use the analogy yesterday of a little kid, you know, who, who's learning how to swim but wants to stay. I think of Lexi when she was learning to swim last summer. You know, she wanted to stay by the stairs of, of the of the of the uh, of the shallow end, and she wanted to stay by the wall and and, and to venture. And she would only go from person to person. Yep. Now she's like, you know, like the Little Mermaid swimming yeah. around the. Well, now she'll she'll dive right into the deep end, and when when we let her, yeah, you know, it's still a little too cold <laughs> over there. But that's what that's how our spiritual life is, yep. and and it's maybe not just a secure. And I've used this analogy many times before. It's not just that we want to stay close to the wall or stay close to the to the shoreline or close to the shallow end, sometimes we're chained to that shallow end. Sometimes we're chained to that wall or chained to the beach yep. because it's some vice, it's something that doesn't prevent us from receiving the blessings that we will get in the deep waters. And that's he and that's something that we need to go to. Sometimes we need a barrier we need to break because only in the deep waters will we, let me use the word again, deepen our faith to be able to, like the disciples, learn more about the faith, to be able to share it down the line. Which brings me to this. Jorge and I share, I mean, I shared this with Jorge uh, late last week when I became aware of it. Uh, all of us have to go out in the deep waters to be able to be effective evangelizers. Folks, we can't be, you know, ju just part of the crowd sitting on the shore listening to nice messages from Jesus. We can't be that person. We have no time for that type of Catholic. We have no time for that type of Christian. We need missionary disciples. So, Father, how do we become missionary disciples? Well, when you put out in a deep water, you start learning more from the Master. You start learn learning more about the genius of our faith that the Master left us. And so that's why we have the formation Wednesdays, this Wednesday, 7 p.m., Cumber Hall, you know, paid political announcement. Uh, join us. Learn more. Because if we don't do that, we will fail as Christians. Let me repeat that. I need a little Bishop Barron choke there. 
If we don't put out in the deep waters and learn more about our faith, we will fail as Christians. And there's, listen, I'm talking, the people that are listening to this podcast are wonderful people. We know them. You know, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. You probably received it. Share Somebody shared it with you or however you received it. doesn't matter. It was the spirit that brought you to us. But we know a lot of the people. We probably know 90% of the people that are listening to us. And they're good people. They're great people, and they do a lot to evangelize. And they know about their faith. But the reason I always say share it, because we need to challenge people to go deeper into the faith. Because as I explained in my first formation Wednesday last week, 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a reason, an explanation of the reason for your hope. St. Peter's exhorting us that we always have to be at a moment's notice ready to give an explanation of our faith. And now... And it should be a convincing and, and, explanation. Well, and this is where I'm getting at. <laughs> I found it from the most unlikeliest of sources last week. When I came across the video, I don't watch late night TV. I used to watch it a lot in the times, in the days of Carson and, and Letterman. Uh, now it, it's gotten too political and too, and too controversial and, yep. and, and, just, and just not worthy of our time. But every now and then a gem will come out, what happened on, I forget what day of the week it was last week, on the Stephen Colbert show, Late Show. And I've never been a fan of Stephen Colbert, of his comedy, uh, but I've always admired his faith. And whenever he speaks about his Catholic faith, he was the last of 11 children, lost his father and two of his brothers in a plane crash when he was 10 years old. And that, you know, I was talking about losing a brother at the beginning of the podcast today. Uh, that changes someone, especially I lost my brother when I was about to turn 40. Uh, you know, when you're 10 years old, that changes a life. So that informs. And so you see a comedian, there, there's this, always a sense of that tragic clown in every comedian figure. I know comedians and, and there's always that tragic clown uh, uh irene if you're listening to me i'm not totally talking about you okay <laughs> only a little bit no she, 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 she's got it all together and she's gonna say follow your soap a little bit right now all right so uh but there is so you see a little bit that in colbert but i again never been a fan of his obviously not a fan of his politics but uh but i got this this i i was made aware of this video but from a friend and basically there was a woman there who i did not recognize. I thought it was some actress, which I was wrong about. It was the English singer Dua Lipa, who I've heard cursory references from my eighth graders of before. Could not pick her out of a lineup. Nope. Could not identify. And Hori and I are looking at each other like nope. like the two crotchety old men. We're, we're the base of the guys in the balcony in the Muppet <laughs> Show right now, and like ah, you know, oh, man, I'm 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 crotchety already. Yeah, well, uh, you know, when you <laughs> well, you don't know who Dua Lipa is. I mean, she, you know. so she's there. And she kind of turns the tables on the interview and asks Stephen a question, which we're going to play for you right now. Does your faith and your comedy ever overlap? <laughs> and does one ever win out? I think ultimately, us all being mortal, the faith will win out at the end. <laughs> but I certainly hope when I get to heaven, Jesus has a sense of humor. 
But I will say this. I will say this. Uh, someone was asking me earlier about what I. And this is this relates to faith because my faith is involved with. I'm, I'm a Christian and a Catholic, and that's re, re, always connected to the idea of um, love and sacrifice being somehow related and giving yourself to other people, and that death is not defeat. If you if you can. See where I'm getting at there. Someone's asked me earlier, what movie did I really enjoy this year? And I said, well, I really like Belfast, which is Kenneth Branagh's story of his childhood. And one of the reasons I love it is that I'm Irish and uh, Irish American, and it's such an Irish movie. Um, and I think this is also a Catholic thing because it's it's funny and it's sad, and it's funny about being sad. In the same way, that sadness is like a little bit of an emotional death, but not a defeat if you can find a way to laugh about it. Because that laughter keeps you from having fear of it, and fear is the thing that keeps you from turning to evil devices to save you from the sadness. As Robert Hayden said, we must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as our deliverance from evil. We must keep struggling to maintain our humanity, though monsters of abstraction threaten and police us. So, if there's some relationship between my faith and my comedy, it's that no matter what happens, you are never defeated. You must understand and see this in the light of eternity, and find some way to love and laugh with each other. Wow. Stephen Colbert, everybody. No matter what happens, you're never defeated. And the point that I was making is that here we are, and a comedian, a late night comedian, was able to explain the faith on national TV. And I said at, at the at ten moment's minutes, notice, with yeah, no, with no, uh, with no preparation, right. with Dropper right, Robert Hayden quotes off the top of his. We just yep. heard the clip, and I was looking at him. How does he know this mm -hmm. off the top of his head? Uh, this is a man who read, who, you know, after his father and, and his brothers died, dove into Tolkien and dove into all these science fiction and fantasy books and then dove into reading, was reading almost a book a day. But he was able to explain his faith to a national audience, not just to the singer, but to a national audience at a moment's notice and was able to articulate in a way that I said yesterday, I as a priest could not articulate. Maybe because he did it from a very in a very casual setting. It wasn't a formal homiletic setting or a formal setting like I'm doing right now. It would, But see, that's what our goal should be as Christians when we put out into the deep, is to be able... I mean, this... Uh, you, you heard the applause and you made the comment. The, the people were applauding. Yeah, pe people have no idea what he just said. I mean, now... They, they're just applauding that he, he reeled off that quote. But she... <laughs> I mean, if you could find the clip, look at it, so you could see this singer... This beautiful singer, uh, you know, his her face was just in awe yeah. of what he was articulating, and I would love to know why she asked that question, because she maybe she's having okay, mm -hmm. she's a singer, obviously doesn't deal in comedy, but what, faith and art, you know, or in, in in the arts, where does that you know how does one inform the yeah. other? Well, and she says it, you know, she says I've always admired you know, the role that your faith plays mm -hmm. in your comedy. So so there's even something attractive of. Of, see, of living the faith that's, right. that, that's gonna that's gonna prompt that question. But that's what. But see, that's the key. It drew someone yep. to ask a question. Now you made a comment of something he said about about uh, when he was talking about. The, you know, you made the comment to me immediately when when you saw the video for the first time. Yeah. You know, no, no matter what happens, uh, you know, we're, we're never defeated. No matter what happens, we're never defeated. And that, and that's so important. Because and here, he says, you know, death, death is not defeat, and, and that is the that is the, the gospel message in a, in a no, nutshell. For sure. You it's know, a good, good Friday is not the end of the story. 
Easter Sunday comes. You know, death, death is not the final. Death does not have the final say. Death is not defeat. No, period. It's not. So the reason we played this clip for you is to, is to reemphasize the point that all of us need to be ready to give an explanation of our faith at a moment's notice. Now, there will be those of you that say, well, Father, that's all fine and dandy, but, you know, but Stephen Colbert, you know, doesn't really live the faith. Well, well that's the next step. <laughs> that, that's something else. <laughs> but you know what? He did a better job than you and me, the communicating. I, I haven't checked to see. I, mean, I, I want to check this right now. How many views that yeah. that video itself has gotten? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you right now, and uh, because... That has gone done the rounds okay. on the internet. There, there are there are Catholic priests and Catholic new uh, reporters that retweeted that and shared it on their Facebook pages and shared it on their Instagrams, and uh, yeah, you know, and, and it's and it's sparking this, you know, and it's sparking this conversation. Conver and if we're having this conversation, how how many other conversations are being had just because of it was what a, a two a minute and a half clip? Okay, it's been re it's it has four point four million views. On Twitter alone, yep. on Twitter alone, and I would venture to say on YouTube, it's it's that high also. I'm not, yep. even, I'm not gonna look it up, but 4.4 million views. The clip that we got, we got it off of, of Twitter, but on YouTube, it's probably you know it's probably around that. So 4.4 million people were exposed to a comedian explaining his faith. Now I'm really gonna go. I'm gonna just tick off a lot of people here. Your favorite. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you have a chance, you Google the interview that Stephen Colbert did when President Biden uh, had uh, had just buried his son, Bo. Not political at all. It was two men talking about their faith and talking about grief yep. and loss. And yes, we could get into the weeds. Well, but Father, you know, President Biden supports abortion, supports the killing of children. All yes. Yes. Okay. But that, that video was seen, and that, you know, that was 4.4 million view, videos of video views, the video that was posted last, last Thursday. But do me a favor, go watch that. Pray for these men. You know, instead of casting stones and saying, "Listen, it's in the," it's, we pray for our president every, you know, almost, not if not every single day or every single Sunday. We it comes out in the prayer of the faithful. It's a, it's it's a one of the prayers, one of the masses we could say, and I say it every January twentieth when we inaugurate a new president, mm -hmm. whether we like him or not. But it's like you know we're we're so busy casting stones and demonizing each other, and yes. We take that with a grain of salt because we know what's behind that, and you know, and actions speak louder than words, and it needs to be informed better. And I understand all that, all right. But get off the horse for a second, yep. okay? Watch that video. Probably the most raw, and this was on national TV, the most rawest explanation of Catholic understanding of grief and loss that I have ever seen. It moved me to tears. And so, whatever you know, and and I know that. 99% of our audience doesn't, maybe, maybe, 90, maybe not that high, but doesn't like the president. Okay. And two men in here didn't vote for him. Okay. But, you know, the man is Catholic. The man, just like Stephen Colbert, 
lost his wife, lost a child in a car crash. That inf- lost his, an adult son who was in his prime, who he had asked for him to be president. And so all these things. Now, you know, we talk about, we, we got into the deep here, as, you know, in terms of politics, but we need, to a- we need to ask the tough questions. And it's not to say that we're not challenging them. You know, I challenge, you know, I challenge that on abortion. I did it on, the, on, on Roe v. Wade Day. You know, I, I'll do it again. We have to march for life next year. Yep. We're doing it at the end of the month. We're inviting a speaker to talk about pro-life issues and a book that he just, that he, that he just wrote. Yep. We're doing that. But in that, we have to do it because, and here's the kicker. I said this at the end of my talk last Wednesday. Okay? And all these things when we catechize, and the catechism says it at the very beginning of the catechism, when we catechize, we have to do with charity. Not with pompous arrogance because then our evangelical zeal is wasted. Be, uh, the catechism said that. Bishop Barron, in his explanation, when I got his Word on Fire Bible of the rest of the New Testament last week, and on that quote that I said, 1 Peter 3.15, he wrote two pages, two and a half, almost two and a half pages on it. And the last phrase he says is that we need to do, he's basically talking about what a catechism said, oh, the catechism released 30 years ago mm-hmm. this, this year. You, we have to do it in charity. We cannot do it with pompous arrogance. We yep. cannot catechize being judgmental. We have to go out into the deep waters because we're not going to be judged out there. Peter is the first one to admit, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's where we have to, that's where we have to come from. Does, Peter, does Jesus condemn him? No. He says, don't be afraid. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. You know, we, we had we had a, a wonderful professor in seminary, Dr. Solis, Oof. the 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 giant Dr. Solis, and come in would that would would teach without notes. Yep. Oh, and and he could go on and on for days without. He could probably quote that. You know, oh, that in, a, in a, absolutely. And I will never forget one of his first classes and one of the most important lessons he taught was never foreclose on a human being, because a human being is always capable of changing. Mm. And that's why... And that, you know, yeah. what, we're, what we're just talking about, yeah. no one's perfect. We're all called into the deep. You know, these, these two men we're, we're, we're talking about right now, we don't know what the... What's in their hearts. What's in their hearts. We don't know what's chaining them to the, to the shallow end. We don't know if, you know, whether you're, whether it's an... A second grader, an eighth grader. A, I can a, hear people talking teenager. back to this podcast right now, too. That's okay. That's <laughs> fine. Bring it on, you know. But but we can never foreclose on a human being because whether they're eight or 87 or 95 on their deathbed or, you know, about to take their last breath, you know, the Lord invites I for, them. I've forgotten about what he, when the he said. The Lord invites them to the deep mm-hmm. always. Oh, and and again, it's not to it's not to sugarcoat anything and say it's all fine and dandy. It's no, not, but it absolutely isn't. But that invitation is there, you know. And, and like like we just heard Mary a few few Sundays ago, you know, do what he tells you. You know, since we brought up Stephen Cole, I don't know if you sent this to me or I read it separately. He I was he was asked by there Oprah. was a special uh, episode on faith with Oprah, mm-hmm. and they said that he was asked, "What's your favorite scripture?" And he said, "And and I forget." The exact. I'm, um, I'm looking it up. Go ahead. But it was basically, you know, the the can you by worrying add a second 
to your life. Yeah, and he said that's his. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't have the exact quote, but he, you got he, it. That same month, when Oprah Winfrey appeared to, appeared to plug her belief special on Colbert's show, she and Colbert shared their favorite Bible verses. Colbert, which which he paraphrased, his favorite verses from chapter six of the Gospel of Saint Matthew. There, Jesus' warning against materialistic and secular preoccupations concludes with this rhetorical query: Can any of you, by worrying, add a single moment to your lifespan? So Colbert said, "What I like about it is." It's a commandment to not worry. So if you worry, you're being disobedient. I love that. And that's it. You know, that's it right there. You know, do what he tells you at whatever whatever season, whatever age, whatever time. You know, the, the command is always there. And some of us take a little bit longer to respond to it. But, but the invitation is always there. Every minute of the day, go out into the deep. And we won't be defeated. And, and, and we won't be defeated out in the deep. We're going to be transformed by God's grace. That's where we see the fullness of God's grace out in the deep. Friends, uh, like I said, we never planned this. This went in the direction that we weren't planning, but it, I think it went into a very deep, excuse the pun, direction <laughs> um, that may have been challenging you for some, uh, for some of you. I know it's challenging for us um, as two very staunch Catholic men who defend life, who, you know, I don't want to say the word condemn, but like to call out those who do not defend life, who claim to be Catholic. Sure. Uh, but it does not take away that someone can articulate the faith the way that this man did uh, last week. Uh, did it better than I did, did it better than Jorge did, and probably, you know, not to insult you, probably did it better than you did. Um, so go out, you know, into the deep, go out, learn more about your faith, go out. So that when someone asks you for a reason for your hope, you may not have a national TV audience in front of you, but all you need to do is win one soul. That's what Jesus asked us. There will be more rejoicing in heaven for one soul that is saved from all the angels in heaven. Don't be afraid. Put out into the deep. running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? We had breaking news. She broke the news to me very early yesterday. White I smoke. Look, I, White I looked smoke. It, I looked it up all over the place. I wanted to <laughs> tweet it out. She didn't tweet it out. I didn't tweet it out. Held off. I, a we, lot of mixed I, feelings. I don't I, know. Ashley Sachs broke news to me yesterday. She told me like around noonish. Yeah, I was heading out to a lunch uh, yeah, birthday party. That and, uh, Mike McDaniel was going to be the head coach. You know. Here we go. So we knew we had some candidates, right? I, I personally, mm. you know, wanted Doug Peterson. You know, it comes with the experience. And a they, Super Bowl with a backup. Exactly. They threw out the early, name. Early um special. No, and then they threw out the guy from um, the Bills, Dalbo, Dable. right? Dable. He came up. And then all of a sudden, this Mike McDaniel guy. And the, how I first heard about him is that one of my buddies, he tweeted out Mike McDaniels with an S at the end. Mm-hmm. And like all wow. these people hounded him. They're like, there's no S. I'm like, who is even this guy? I have to throw him under the bus, but uh, 
before we started this recording, Horace says, All right, let's talk about Mike McCarthy, go with the Cowboys coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh oh. Yeah. So yeah. then, like you know, I start looking up Shows this guy, and yeah. he Nobody looks young. Knows. I'm thinking he's so, 38. 30. He looks like he's about 28 yeah, or 18. He, no, he, he looks like a a baby, like, like a, a Harry kid. Potter. This, this like, is this is a bit on many radio shows. He look, you know, the looks like game. I I literally said the Dolphins went into Best Buy and got somebody from the Geek Squad. I got a better one. He looks like a barista from yeah. Starbucks. Well, that's the one that I sent you guys with last night. Yeah. <laughs> with the glasses, I mean, but very intelligent. Uh, Rob, here's here's some a uh, couple of things that. Main, I guess I'm t- we're we're all talking ourselves into this this morning. What else can we do? We're people that live in hope. That's why we're Christian. So, um, you know, I, Robert Sala was one of the coaches of the Senior Bowl over the weekend. Uh, Dan Campbell coached the other team, and uh, Robert Sala, who, who was a defense coordinator in San Francisco when he, when Mike Quintana was there, and now is the head coach of the Jets, uh, said, "Listen, he just he's a great coach, a brilliant offensive mind." Went to Yale, all that stuff. And but yeah. the, the last phrase that he said is the one that got me is that he goes, Being rooting for him, but I really would not want to be in the same division as him. You said that, mm-hmm. which is good. Ooh, so that, he, yeah. here's the thing with this guy, right? And I, I always try to compare I've I've been comparing a lot to the Miami Heat, which you can't compare the Heat to the Dolphins, but Ooh, coach no. Eric Spolstra started off as a video yeah, coordinator. He did Mike guy. McDaniel started off as an intern. You know, no, I don't. Denver Broncos, two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, exactly. And I don't like the fact that this guy's coming here with no head coach experience. But that we we haven't done that since we hired Dave Wanstead. So I I don't want this to be another experimental year. You know, I want a guy. I wanted a guy who came with the head coach experience. That's why the Peterson that makes sense. Yeah. So that what of, um, but the fact that he doesn't come with that is concerning. But. Everyone has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even I look back on my career. You know, I never had all these titles going into some of these positions, and people gave me a shot. And, you know, I was very fortunate. <laughs> the father made me smile. Uh, you know, like, you come, you, sometimes you have to give the guy a shot. So, I, I, you know, I've been studying up on him the last day or so. I think he's creative, and I love that. You know, football as a game as a whole has been changing. His press conference going to be a hoot. Oh, he's in, you know. I can't wait for his introductory press conference because it's going to be. It's going to be great. I mean, because the meat is going to come uh, with, we're going to talk about last week in a second, but yeah. the media's going to come with pitchforks and knives to... to, to They're going to hound him. Not him, the owner. Ugh, do we even have to say... Oh. Well, well, we'll talk about that in a second now. now no, I'm excited about here, this guy. Here's the thing is that we don't know how much of the the success of the San Francisco offense... Remember, they went to the Super Bowl two years ago yeah. and almost made it to it this year. They were in the championship game last week. Uh, we don't know how much of that was Shannon and how much of that was McDaniel. That's always, you know, okay, hum, who, yeah. who who does what? But the way they use Debo Samuel, and think about what he could do with Jalen Waddle, and mm-hmm. apparently from what I read, that's what he's, I mean, not not that's what he only sold on them, but, but they were intrigued by, he had all these plans for what he could do with Jalen Waddle. You know, he's yeah. our most dynamic offensive player. Put the ball in his hands. Let him run. The Debo, you know, and so it masked the deficiencies of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, translate that to Tua. Tua... Uh, you can't compare Jimmy and Tua, though. You're n- talking two different no, beasts. No, there are two different yeah. beasts. Uh, Jimmy's more of a, a traditional pocket passer. Yeah. Tua's been two years in the league, and we don't know what his ceiling is. And maybe this guy can unlock his ceiling. But what gives me pause is his offensive coordinator at Alabama chose to come to the Giants, jo- chose to go to the Giants instead of coming yeah. to the Dolphins. So, and the Dolphins, I think, are a much better, in terms of team, forget about the organization. That's, again, I'm still punning on that one. We'll talk about it, though. Uh, The the Giants, as a team, 
are, are you can't compare the roster of the Giants to no. the roster of the Dolphins. Totally different. So that's intriguing. One of uh, one one thing that I read yesterday goes, you know, uh, somebody tweeted McDaniel's got the coolest running game in the world, and the Dolphins refuse to spend anything about a seventh round pick on running back. Makes sense. Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> We need this McDaniel's a kid, this McDaniel's guy grew up playing <laughs> Madden. You know what I mean? He he grew up playing Madden. He knows all like the you know the special like audible audible. Like I, I think he's creative, and I think that as the style of the game is changing, you know, football what it is now it mm-hmm. wasn't what it is twenty years. I think he's adaptable, and I think it's gonna be good. Is he gonna make Tua an All Star? We the hope great? so. I, I mean, know. we, we there ha- here's the thing. And I saw a clip of him explaining this, or, or read a, a quote of him explaining how the passing game works. Excuse me. You need a running game. Why do you need a running game? Because it draws, and this is what he's explaining, it draws one of the safeties in. Yeah. It's simple football. To let somebody in the backfield dra- go. So when you draw a safety in, it opens up a hole in the passing game. Exactly. Which Tua can exploit. In the Ravens game, the Dolphins did that. When Duke Johnson, I forget, I think it was against the Giants, that it was, I, I forget which team it was, that he ran almost for 200 yards. It drew the defense in when Duke Johnson had that breakup. It break was the, the Ravens game because I remember yelling, No, no, Duke, that's right. Okay, Dookie. so whatever, so whatever. No, it's not Dookie. I know, we said Dookie in the stands. No. We were having a good time with it. Not Dookie. Anyway, so it draws the safety in, and then Leaves at the end, it, it allowed at the end of the game mm-hmm. for Tua to throw that long pass, you know, uh, to the wide receiver. It wasn't yeah. Gaskin. It was, uh, I want to say it was Isaiah Ford or, or Miles Gaskin, one of those two. But I don't know how I can remember these plays. It's incredible. But the the beauty of it is you need that running game or, you know, to have them respect the running game to allow that. And when that happens, it makes things easier for Tua. Why was Tua successful? He had Alabama running backs running behind him, yeah. which who were always good. Yeah, that's you, have your, you know, he yeah. obviously didn't have Travis Henry, but he had all these great running backs that were behind him, you know, bringing that safety in. Obviously, it didn't hurt that he had Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith out there. Yeah. So all these things factor in to the success of the overall offense, and th- this man understands it. I have here a phrase that he put on his resume when he was applying for um, when he was when he was applying for the that internship in Denver. He said, "Career objective: to continue my professional development toward the goal of becoming a Hall of Fame." NFL head coach wow. while contributing my experience, knowledge, and character to an NFL organization in pursuit of a world championship. That's some Yale talk. We don't, we no, no, no school, no, no that is, schools are saying uh, but that. I'm so, We're just saying we want to be successful. I, if, if, he, if he accomplishes that, I, oh, man, God bless be, him. We want great. that. That's, like, deal that's like the, the Olympians, you know, as, as six year olds, they, I want to be an Olympic gold I medalist. Get the gold. And, and they bring out the artwork during the yeah, Olympics. During the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. that's true. No, I think it's going to be good. You know, honestly, if you look across the board, people are all over about this, right? Some are optimistic. Some are like, oh, this is going to be it's Miami. It's, it's better Miami. Than, but it's I better mean, than Kellen Moore. I did not want Kellen Moore. I wasn't feeling that either. No. I, that, no, that, um, Doug Peterson was my guy. And the guy from the Saints, I, that would have been okay. Which one? The head coach of the Saints. Sean um, Payton? Sean Payton would yeah, have been but he, fine. but he wants to retire. You, I, you think he's going to take this mess on? No. Harbaugh would have been, he would have just, uh, No. Would have been too no, much. No, I didn't want Harbaugh. So I think this is, I think give him a shot. All right, let's talk about uh, the elephant up 27th Avenue, not here in the room. But that's why I'm curious to see how this press conference pulled off. Yeah. Not that the Dolphins need PR help from me. <laughs> Here's what I would do. I would not have Steve Ross introduce him. I would not have Chris... 
Chris no. Greeners. You know who I'd have introduce him? I'm going to tell you. You would have a player. No. Well, a former player. Or a mayor. No, the former player. Or Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, we sometimes, this player that I'm thinking of, we kind of. Dan Marino. Like, yes. You want Dan Marino? He is the assistant to the I, owner. Yeah, here you have, you have Dan Marino, special. and why, you know, right now Ross is dealing with this litigation matter, and you, we're here just to focus on Ross the head coach. Can't, Ross cannot show his face until it's straight down. But you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to. He shouldn't. He, I'm, we agree with that. He shouldn't. But he, so let's go back to last week, because that's, well, that's where I thought we were going to talk about today, before we hired the head coach. George is making, like, the yikes emoji <sighs> face. You know, I, yeah. remember, <laughs> I remember coming in to see you, and I was like, Father, something bad just happened. And I can imagine what you thought. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, Ash, Ash wanted to do a special segment. And then I was Mid-week, like, yes, I'm like, I'm week. like, people are asking me what I think about it. And then George was How like, How many podcasts did you do last week? Uh, I've been quiet about this. Oh, good. I've been, I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around. That's why she wanted to do the special segment I mean, we here. Listen, yeah, we don't, we don't want to dive deep into what happened last week. We did not, the three of us here did not agree when it happened that Brian Flores should have been fired. Yeah, we walked in that shocking. Monday morning. We walked in that Monday morning thinking, okay, we feel yeah. good. We had a winning season. We just beat the Patriots the day before, which is always good. And we have some stability, and all of a sudden, boom, this yeah. happens. Now, what later comes out is, you know, it's lack of communication. All of a sudden, I go, okay, we talked ourselves into, maybe we do need a, a head coach that can unlock the two of potential, get him a running back, get him an offense. More, yeah. more importantly than running back, just keep, I, you know, somebody said this morning, somebody I follow, keep to Johnson back there and give him an offensive yeah, line. Yeah, I like it. Okay? But maybe we do need an offensive line, and that's what's going on. So when, when uh, Coach Flores uh, drops this lawsuit, I believe it was last Wednesday, Oh, it was it was shocking, but 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 to, to me, yes, is there racism? It's it's not only in national football; it's, it's all, all over you know, and, and that's a deeper kind. That's everything. a deeper. That's another. Thought we got into controversy mm. in the first segment. My know, problem is that if he really, if uh, Ross really was offering a hundred thousand dollars for a loss yeah. when I am a season ticket holder oh, and I've paid all this money oh, yeah. to take right. L's, we're, and we're backing like, away from Ashley right now. No, you know what? Write me my refund check because I. You granted, I still saw football. At the end of the day, yes, I saw football, but not good football. Not good football. <laughs> and if you were really offered a hundred thousand dollars to lose, is I'm paying fifteen hundred for season tickets. Give me my money back. So okay. terrible. That that unethical, it's, it's disgusting. An a, yeah, right. It's an allegation. Both, you know. I'm stuck. Flora on that. says that he did it. Stephen Ross denies it. Both said they were men of principle. Yeah. Uh, people, you know, I was listening to Rich Eisen uh, last week talk about this because he's a Michigan guy. And everywhere you go in the Ann Arbor community, you know, Stephen Ross is a, a very respected. He does well to the community. You know, we live in a, it. We give, see he's it. He's very philanthropic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so all these things, you know, it'll come out in the light of day and, and may come out of the court. But here's the thing. The NFL does a great job of setting, of doing, you know, confidential mediation. Like the Deshaun Watson stuff, Desha- too. No, 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 no. Yeah. Forget about Deshaun Watson. Uh, with the St. Louis you know, relocation thing where they sued the NFL. Yeah. NFL said everything is confidential. Here's 750. I'm I'm ballparking there, but it was $750 million thereabouts to make this problem go away. Colin Kaepernick, he sued the NFL. He wanted to make everything known to the light of day. I've heard about him forever. I don't know. We don't know what he was paid. Everything confidential. Yeah. They are, they have very good lawyers. So does Stephen Ross though. That's a thing too. Stephen Ross is And And I don't know about Brian Flores' lawyers, but here, these are very serious things. You know, and very serious issues that were discussed last week by a lot of people. And I really don't want to get into right now, but it just goes to show. I mean, Father, we love true, the Dolphins. He needs to be out of the position. If it's true, he's done. Okay. Don't ever but, show your face but in this Miami. Is, this, this is the, the point that I want to make. I love 
you know, I, I have a dolphin's mug in my in my hand, you know, dolphin paraphernalia in my office, in my in my room at home, and we all bleed aqua and orange. George, True. not so much because whatever. But you know, he he's a fan. He just bleeds he's not more. Like he's us, more green and orange. Green, orange, orange. You know, we are not seeing. Oh, we had to talk. Yeah, you know, we had to talk about that to finish up. But Mario. Yeah. So we went on a good note, but. You, I look at the Dolphins logo and I hate it. I want to go back to the throwback. That's number one. I have, the new, I have the new logo on my mug right now. A but, trillion percent. So we look at the and, and right now, do I mean I don't think they're planning on it, but just go back. I mean, you got new new. You need some newness, kind of like what Washington is trying to do with that. And they that's Manders. another that's another fiasco. It's just that's eh. so icky. But somebody made the point, <laughs> and I say to veer off. Somebody made the point: if Utah Jazz was introduced right now, we'd all hate it. We just live with it. There's, so many. There's no affiliation to Utah right. and Jazz. Like because Memphis I was New Orleans Jazz, jazz before. Right. That's why. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. But so I look at the Dolphin logo and I just think 20 plus years of just abject failure, Ugh. of incompetence, of mediocrity. And I'm tired of it. I mean, I remember the late 90s when we would be complaining on places like this and forums like this about the Dolphins being balanced in the divisional round. I would kill to be balanced in the divisional mm-hmm. round because it means we won a game. To get there, a playoff game which we haven't won since Miss Ashley was in high school. Yeah, you know. that's true. You know, we have to be thankful. No, maybe though, younger than that actually. It was what 2000? 2000. I was in in elementary school. Okay. There we go. So you were in elementary school. <laughs> Sorry, sixth grade. I made you older than you. No, but here's are. the thing. Sorry. You know, like the Dolphins, it, it's rough, and it, you know, a lot. Of, we're angry. We're confused. We're embarrassed. Um, but we do have to be thankful that we have two other amazing teams down here. All right, here we the go. The Heat and the Panthers. There we go. And right. Coach Spo was officially named the head coach of, so it used to be the East and West for the no, All-Star Team game. Durant. Team Durant. So I think it's a huge honor for I him. really would have liked him to see Coach LeBron just for. Ew. Just, just for just for that. No, don't you know, put my boy dra- with him. For the drama. We you know, like just, Coach Spo. Don't do that for, to him. No, because the thing is Durant's in the East and, and, and LeBron's in the West. Yeah. That's number one. The Panthers continue to kill it. It's like they score seven goals every yeah. game. It's They're like they so score touchdowns. We have to get to a game, Father. It has to be. I mean, it has to be in the weekend because the Palmetto oh, going know, up. Last week, last week I I, I joked game. that man, you blink and they score yeah, five goals, and then we went out to dinner and they had yeah. the they had the game on, yeah. and, yeah. and I turned this way, have a conversation. I look back to the game. It's three, it's two to one already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. And then I turn around, continue the conversation. Look at the game again. Four and Four to one. Yeah. So shout out to the Panthers. I mean, you know, you guys are like, you know, we see what you're doing. You don't get enough respect in the South Florida market. South Florida is not big with hockey, but, you know, oh, you're but being we like, No, but South Florida is big with winners. Yeah. yeah, so you keep doing you. You'll get the recognition. Yeah. Well, you know. We're... But we want to end on a, on, a, on a bit, you know, the news got, you know, folded in with Mike McDaniel, uh, Mike McDaniel hiring. Uh, Mario Cristobal has been getting so much criticism. I don't know from where, from oh. idiots, but... You know, I'm talking to one right now who not not, not in here, but I know, like, on a podcast. But who was texting me all last week? I don't like what Mario's doing. I don't like what Mario's doing. Yeah. He's waiting too long to hire these coordinators. He got the assistant coach of the year of college football to leave Michigan and come down here to South Florida to yes, coach sir. Tyler Van Dyke. Okay, but you leave Michigan and go to Miami. That's a sell right there. Oh, yeah. Super Let's Mario. But Michigan's a great program. But, but it's a great program. This was, big known. House. This was yeah. known. Mario takes his time with his assistants. That's fine. Because he wants to get it right. He gets it. He got and it right. And he has a track record of, of he got it right. getting it right. He got it right. So props to the U. Uh, we're not going to talk about Kane's hoops. They had a pretty bad week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now, Ashley, we want to finish off on something that's 
total fan service. You want to mention something that happened yesterday so, in sports. So, yeah. So, you know, I spent like seven years in Daytona. I got my master's there and she being lived, there. How far were you from Daytona National Speedway? Oh, I was walkable. Wow. My, my campus, Embry-Riddle. How many, Embry-Riddle was how many times did you go to the 500? I've been to, to the, the 500, Daytona 500 four times. I've been to the Coke Zero three times. I've been to the Rolex once. Show that fourth you know, being nice. from Jersey, like NASCAR, like whatever. I let me tell you, it is amazing. Carly, this is for you. I've also been to the um the Dixie, the uh the Vodka Dixie. They call it now in Homestead. In Homestead, yeah. So you know they they promote they promote this new race called the Clash of the the the. Um... I did not see it. So yeah, and that's the thing. Like they've been promoting it. Fox has been doing so great promoting it. It was in the LA Coliseum. It was. How do they put it? And that's not that oh, big. Gosh. And here's the thing. Like it's a football field. It is. And being a NASCAR fan, you want a big track because you want the turns and everything. Yeah, yeah. You so when I saw this track, I'm thinking like, there's no way. So they had a great introduction. The you know everyone was into it. You had Pitbull, you know, performing and Whoa, and all this stuff and. The race itself, being a NASCAR fan, was terrible. And I knew going into it, it was going to be terrible. Because here's the thing. It's so small. It, it was over within like, it was over within an hour. So it was like, hey, cool about that. An hour race? It tops. Because it's such a small track. I gotta go back you and do see 150 this. laps around a football field. Yeah, pretty much. And they're wow. not going 160, 170, 200 miles an hour. You can't. So it's this like, isn't the Bristol Motor Speedway, which is yeah. it looks like a football team, but it's actually a it race. It reminds a race me of something like if MJ was to have like a, a track, you know, like a little a toy track, and he sends a car around in George's circles and yeah. circles and circles. I thought he was like, talking about Michael Jordan no, for no. a second. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so it's like if, if, if your son was to have so like a, a toy track, like, you know, have like a toy track, and you just see it go around once, around once. It was terrible. I mean, I'm glad they brought it out to LA. Them experience at LA. But what? But this is like table. a preseason because really don't they? they so took, speed speed weeks start this week, don't yeah, they? Yeah. Well, the 500s on the 20th. It's, I might yeah, be out of I'll be out of town, but oh wow! But terrible. It was Denny Hamlin ends up winning. I mean, it was just. It I know was who no that is. Action. I it heard was, name yeah, before. Yeah, because the commercial. <laughs> Danny, I like your PJs. No, 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 I, but I, but I, not from the commercial. I hate that commercial. I know the, I know because I, I, I watch NASCAR. I, yeah. I mean, I, I watch the Daytona 500. By the 500 is the Indianapolis 500. Oh. Daytona 500, you know, we yeah. want to make that straight. So it is on my bucket list. We need to go one year. And we have to take you because you know. I, I tell you everything. My favorite racer is uh, Eric Omarola. He's a Cuban from Ooh, wow. Tampa. Great He's guy. Cuban? Yes. Did not know this. Yeah, no. Uh, he's uh, one of my favorites. Um, but honestly, it was very underwhelming, the race. I'm glad they, like I said, I'm glad they brought out to the market, <laughs> let people experience it. It was like the, the, the bye week between the yeah. championship game and, the, and Super. Uh, they had to put something in there. people had a good time. No one got hurt. Anyhow. God willing, you know, God protected everybody. And it was just, it was very underwhelming. I'm ready for the big race. I'm ready for the big boys. Two Bring it to from, Daytona. Two weeks from yesterday. Let's do it. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us today. We had a wonderful show. If you're still with us, uh, thank Props you. to you. Uh, we're, I mean, I have we're no, in an hour. No, we and we. I don't know if you've included the clip yet. You know of of the. I Colbert. put some time in there. So, we're so we're, ballpark. We're, all right. So thank you for for sticking with us and uh, uh, a lot of thought provoking things that we put out in front of you today. Pray about it. More importantly, put out into the deep water. Put out into the unknown, where we will encounter God and the infinite graces that He has in store for you. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.